1: You see, God does not have to fix what he created. He simply has to redeem it.
0: That's Pastor Michael Oxentenco, and this is Reaching Your Heart. We're up to the second portion of the scroll with the seven seals. Pastor Michael Oxentenco will be here with that in just a moment. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. We're continuing with the broadcast we started last week entitled The Scroll with the Seven Seals. It's part of the Revelation series. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here is Pastor Michael Oxen tanko
1: At what point in the past was it a complete book with no more to add to it? We have a clue in the book of Genesis. Turn to Revelation 13 verse 8. Here's the clue. The Bible says, "...and all who dwell on the earth will worship it the beast the world kingdom system everyone whose name has not been written where what does it say Before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. There is a book that goes way back that is a finished book. And if you're not in that book, you're going to get sucked in to the end time deception that's coming upon the world. In the book of Revelation, the book of life is called the Lamb's book of life. And it was complete at the foundation of the world. You see, the Lamb of God has never been an afterthought. Jesus has never been an uncertainty in God's plan. There is in the mind of Christ the future that can unfold. And if you belong to Christ, you have always belonged to Christ. In Revelation 6, 1, the lamb is the one who opens the book. You cannot separate the book that is from the foundation of the world from the lamb of God who died to save the world. In Revelation 19, 13, Jesus has the name, the word of God. And from his mouth, there comes a fiery sword. Both of these are at the right hand of God. John says the book was finished from the foundation of the world. Seven seals draws the mind back to the seven days of creation when God finished all His work which He had made. Turn with me to Genesis 2, looking at verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, thus the heavens and the earth were what? Unfinished. Is that what it says? Thus the heavens and the earth were a work in motion. Well, maybe we can say it like this. Thus the heavens and the earth were evolving. Does it say that? Finished. And all the host of them. Now all the host of them means everything that could be. Everything that is was done when God rested on the seventh day. You see, God does not have to fix what he created. He simply has to redeem it. Sin has not destroyed the holy plan of God. It has not called into question the ultimate sense in God's mind. The fact that it was finished in the mind of God, in the mind of Christ on the seventh day when they together finished the work, there was nothing more to add. And on the seventh day, God finished his work which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. You put that together the book of Revelation, it's very clear. The promise that the Lamb of God would come, the promise that Jesus would come, was not an afterthought to deal with sin. It was something that was there at the foundation of the world. The Lamb's book of life was complete on the seventh day of creation. There was nothing left to add to the will of God that could see into the future, that would grasp every saint that would be a part of his eternal kingdom he knew and christ was there revelation 13 verse 8 and all who dwell on the earth will worship him meaning the beast everyone whose name has not been written now notice what it's saying from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain i mean you can't get around this when you look at the book you're looking at jesus you're looking at a plan that god has had that was secure in jesus ages ago The Sabbath takes us back to creation, but more than this, it takes us back to Jesus as the Creator. And the Lamb's book of life takes us all the way to the Jesus that created us. He is the one who saves us. And this was part of God's eternal plan. Revelation 17, verse 8, The beast that you saw was and is not, and is to ascend from the bottomless pit. You know, he replicates the journey of Christ, the one who is, the one who died, and the one who has been raised from the dead. The beast will replicate him. He is Antichrist. It says, And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to behold the beast because it was and is not and is to come. In the book of Genesis, there's a book with names in it that was written at the foundation of the world. The book of Revelation refers to that book. It's funny, as we read the book of Genesis, many Christians read right over the book and never recognize what it is. They fail to discern that right there in Genesis we have the book of life. Now let me ask you a very direct question here today. How many of you want to be lost? thought I'd get your attention. How many of you want to be saved? Now friends, I'm not talking about silly eschatology here. And I'm not talking about playing around with prophecy to make a point. We're talking about eternal issues that the book of Revelation is interacting with. So I'm drawing your attention here. If you want to be in the Lamb's Book of Life, raise your hand. Then give your heart and your attention to the study of the Word of God today. Now, we have it in the book of Genesis. and Genesis 4.26 is the very first time anyone calls on the name of the Lord. And notice what transpires. It says, "To Seth also was born, and he called his name Enosh which in the Hebrew means weak or mortal man. In other words, here are people who realize they're dying without God. And it says, at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Friend, when you realize you can't live one day without God, and you realize your life is at its bottom's end without God, and you realize that you cannot be saved in the eternal kingdom without God, maybe you'll have the good sense to call upon the name of the Lord. And that's the very first time in the Bible when they do it. And as soon as someone way back then begins to call upon the name of the Lord in the Bible because they are weak and mortal, because they cannot save themselves from sin, at that point, at that very point in the book of Genesis, before the whole Bible story unfolds, we have the Lamb's book of life. It's right there. It's one sentence after the sentence when they call upon the name of the Lord. Genealogies are meaningless without Jesus, Genealogies are just names on a page unless they are records of what resides in the mind and heart of the Creator who is Jesus. In Genesis 4, the genealogy of Cain has no record of life or death to it. Just names on a page with no meaning to the names. Friend, you have no life, you have no right to life unless your life is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb's Book of Life is the book that was written from the foundation of the world for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And as soon as someone calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved, there is the book in the Bible. It's a book where weak and mortal men and women can find the Lord. It's a book where their names are recorded for the future judgment day. Everyone, the prophet Joel says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, wouldn't it make sense that the only one who can open the Lamb's book of life is the Lamb? Think about it. Who can open that book but the Lamb? If it's his book, then is he not the one who has the right to take it from God and to open it? In other words, there's no life unless the Lamb gives life. The very next verse reads, Genesis 5-1, This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. As soon as people call on the name of the Lord, in the very next verse, there is a book with a record of Adam and his children who love the Lord. And the genealogy is different from the genealogy of Cain. Not names on a page with no record of life or days. There is a record of life and death and names and meaning for the future. It is the Lamb's book of life. It says in the book of Malachi chapter 3 that on the day that God acts, that for those who thought on his name back there in Genesis four twenty six, there was a book of remembrance written for them and they will be his in the great judgment day when he acts. This is the Lamb's book of life. It starts with Adam and every child of Adam who calls in the name of the Lord is in that book. Now there's only one problem in this book. Now here it is. We all deserve to die because we share Adam's nature. Look at verse 3, Genesis 5. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son, and what does it say? In his own likeness, after his image, and he named him Seth. The days of Adam after he became the father in Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. That's all the days that Adam lived. In this book, there's a record of life unlike the genealogy of Cain. He lived 930 years and he died. Unless someone can open the book, this genealogy ends with death. And so the lamb must open the book for there to be life. The book was written from the foundation of the world, but no one from the foundation of the world was worthy to open it so people could live. No one was found who could reverse the sin of Adam and make it a book of life. Friend, God had a plan, but no human being was worthy to implement the plan. Every human being shared the Adam problem that led to death. And if an angel wanted to save us, no angel was worthy because no angel was a man. No angel could identify with the human race and no angel was a lamb either. No angel could redeem man's failure, but a man who would become a lamb could do it. And so the question is asked by a mighty angel who is not mighty enough to save The question is asked, who is worthy to open the book that was written from the foundation of the world? The scroll with seven seals, who can open it but a man who is a lamb? In the Old Testament, a similar question is asked in Psalms 24 verse 1, who can ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. And then the question, verse 3 Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Have you ever gotten up in the morning and been afraid of the future? Afraid that you'll have to face a holy God at the end of time? Knowing that you have sinned and that you are struggling with sin? Has anyone here ever done that? The Bible says ask the question, who can stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, it says, verse four, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of his salvation. Friend, it takes a a perfect human being to stand in the presence of a holy God. Now, how many of us here are that way? There are people who kid themselves that they are getting that way. But friend, there is no perfection that is good enough in any any human being to meet these credentials. And that excludes every child of Adam from Seth to Jesus. Not one child of Adam was found worthy enough, pure enough, or clean enough to come into the holy place of God and stand as a priest, as the representative of the human race, as the savior, the one who could pull off the salvation story as the hero. Adam had botched it all for everyone. Every hand had been sullied by sin. Every soul was corrupted in some way through him. Every life was marred by at least one mistake. No child of Adam had ascended to the throne of God to stand in the holy place of God. In the Old Testament, a king could not enter the sanctuary to take the scroll from the side of the ark. The office of king and priest were separate. Only a priest could go in. And so the tribe of Judah, which represented the kings, the tribe of Levi that produced the priests, you would have to have a new order of priesthood to pull this off. You would have to have a king who is a priest after the order of Melchizedek to go in and do this. To open the scroll at the right hand of God, it takes a different kind of priest and king. So no one was found worthy in heaven or earth. The prophecy had been declared in the Old Testament that would become a reality in the book of Revelation. Revelation. A priest would ascend the throne and one day become a king upon his throne, ending the Old Testament era of priest and king. Turn to Zechariah 6, verse 12. prophet is instructed, then say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple of the Lord. And speaking of Jesus in the context, look at verse 13. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus he will be a priest on his throne and the council of peace will be between the two offices. No longer the office of priest and king at war. There will be a Melchizedek high priest who will sit and unite the two offices and we will have a king priest for all eternity. To take the scroll from the hand of the one who sits upon the throne, you must be both a king and a priest. And so no one was found worthy to do it. It takes a king and a priest to save us. To become a king it requires royal assent as well. No royal blood in your veins, you have no right to do it. While it is true, an angel is a perfect life. An angel is not a child of Adam, nor is an angel the royal son of God necessarily so.
0: Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxen Tenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. A strong
1: angel asked the question for all angels and men to hear, who can open the book and look inside? And no angel was strong enough to say, I can open the book and see inside. Revelation 5, verse 4, and I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping, Behold the lion, behold the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has has overcome so as to open the book in the seven seals. And the one who can open the book has two titles here, and one qualification here mentioned as well. Title number one, he is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. That means he is a king that comes from the royal line of David. His second title is the root of David. It means he is the Messiah, promised in Isaiah 11, verse 1, Isaiah 53, verse 2. He's the promise of what would come to the line of David. His qualification is his victory. The text says he has overcome. So as soon as we see the word overcome in Revelation 5, verse 5, now follow with me, as soon as we see that, that word overcome, we see a lamb in Revelation 5, verse 6. Now how many of you would like to overcome? I would. I mean, you can try all day long to overcome by trying to be religious and hack away at it with good effort. But friend, as soon as we see a lamb in the book of Revelation, we see one who has overcome. There are many titles for Jesus in Revelation 4 to 22, but 27 times he is called the lamb. It is the most important title for Jesus in the book of Revelation. The lion of the tribe of Judah is the lamb. The kingly lion that roars is the lamb. In Revelation 5, 6, in between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. With seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. In Revelation 5, 3, no one was found worthy, number one, to open the scroll and number two, to look inside it. Now, number one, it takes a king to open the scroll with seven seals of the throne of God. And that is why the lamb has seven horns. You don't have the authority to rule unless you're a king. The lamb is a king and the horns represent rule and authority for the entire scope of the seven seals. Each seal represents a period of time in which the lamb rules in history as the lord of history. In Daniel 7, 24, the Bible says very clearly that horns represent kings. And so we see seven horns on the lamb. He is the head of all authority. Number two, to look inside the scroll, it takes perfect sight. And that is why the lamb has seven eyes. He is a priest who has perfect spiritual discernment. The beast and the dragon have seven heads in the book of Revelation and ten horns. They have seven heads because they rule the seven years of world kingdom power with demonic overlords. They have ten horns because they challenge God's ten commandment law in every single era of human history all the way down to the end. The lamb has one head because he is the head of all rule and authority. And he has seven horns because he rules the seven churches. He is the head of all authority in the church. He rules during the time period of the seven seals and the seven churches. And he has seven horns because he is king. Jesus is Lord. The most important concept you can face in the book of Revelation is the truth that all authority and rule, including the authority you need over the stuff of your life, has been given to the Lamb of God. Friend, Christ is worthy to call the shots in your life because Jesus is the Lamb who is worthy. Revelation 5.9, they sing a new song saying, Worthy art thou to take the scroll and to open its seals. For thou was slain and by thy blood didst ransom men for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on earth. You ever felt like you weren't important? Anyone here ever felt that way? You ever felt like you're, no one going nowhere in a hurry? Friend, God has taken the stuff of your life. He's taken the place that you find in life. And through the cross of Christ, he has appointed you as part of a royal kingdom of priests to God. So that when we gather in church and we reach out to help others, we are an extension of the authority, the love, and the power of God in a world that needs God. If you're looking for a reason to live in church, you have that reason. You can serve God in that one area that you may not think makes a difference, but it makes all the difference in the body of Christ for the salvation of the lost. The cross is the victory of God in Christ that qualifies Jesus to be the leader of your life and the leader of the church, and it is a kingdom of priests that we are as the church of Jesus Christ. The one who died for you, friend, will not fail you, because Jesus is worthy to take the scroll with seven seals. Revelation 7.10, salvation belongs to the Lamb. The Lamb is the hero. The Lamb is the destination, the Word of God, the scroll of God in the right hand. It represents Jesus, the mystery of Christ hidden from ages past. And the only one who could unlock the mystery of Christ was Christ, the Lamb. And so the Lamb comes and takes the scroll from the one who sits upon the throne. In Revelation seven fourteen we are clean and ready for heaven by the blood of the Lamb. In Revelation seven, seventeen, the Lamb is the shepherd who leads his people to living water. In Revelation twelve, eleven, the saints overcome through the blood of the Lamb. In Revelation 14, 4, those who follow the Lamb are the ones who are redeemed from the earth by the Lamb. In Revelation 13, 8, the book of life is the Lamb's book of life. The victory song at the end of time over the mark of the beast and the number of the beast. In Revelation 15.3 is the song of the Lamb. In Revelation 17.14, the Lamb conquers the enemies of God. In Revelation 19.2, the great banquet and the marriage feast at the second coming is the Lamb's feast. In Revelation 21.9, the new Jerusalem is the bride of the Lamb. In Revelation 21.22, the Lamb is the last temple for all eternity. And the last light and the last lamp, the last torch to illumine our hearts and minds is the light of the Lamb. He is at the right hand of God. He is the Word of God. He is the authority of God. In Revelation twenty-one twenty-three, the final lamp is the Lamb. And the throne of God in Revelation 5, 1 is the throne of the Lamb in Revelation 22, verse 1. Friend, if you want a future without Jesus and you think the Lamb of God is irrelevant in your life, you'll have no future. But if you want a future and you call on the name of the Lord like they did at the foundation of the world when they realized they could not save themselves, your name is in that book and you are part of the Lamb's kingdom. The Lamb on the throne with his father will be the last rule and authority for all eternity. The scroll with seven seals is really the Lamb's scroll. It is the Lamb. We see the Word of God meeting the Lamb as one. The one who is the mystery unlocks the mystery. Jesus is both the mystery of God's purpose and will revealed as an open book and he is the mystery that was unseen from the very dawn of time. Christ is the authority of God that rules instead of a scepter in this universe. And Jesus is the word of God that burns deep in every life that needs it. Friend, Jesus is the book that is unveiled and unsealed. You know why the devil hates the book of Revelation? You want to hear it? You know why the devil would inspire ministers across this country to treat the book as a book that you cannot understand? It's because this book is a revelation of Jesus Christ. The mystery that was sealed from the furthest ages of eternity. The only mystery that could save the universe. The mystery that could give meaning to history. Meaning in the church and meaning for your personal life. The the mystery that brings salvation to the world is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Friend, the book of Revelation is the scroll that was in the hand of the one who sat upon the throne. Christ has always been at God's right hand. And the scroll with seven seals is the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Lord of history. Ephesians 1, 7-10. The mystery of his will, Paul says, by the blood of Christ was to unite all things in Christ. Ephesians 3, 4, he simply calls it the mystery of Christ. Christ is the scroll. Revelation 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants what must soon take place. And he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. No mighty angel, could unlock the history of the world only the one who is mighty for in this scroll the word of God that was with God is a lamb the scroll with seven seals is the revelation of Jesus Christ
0: Amen we've completed the broadcast entitled The Scroll with the Seven Seals don't forget you can find it online if you would like to listen to it again at reachingyourheart.com. Again, that's reachingyourheart.com. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland,